That's right. From the hills of Tennessee. Um, <laughs> that liturgical prayer was great. That was good, wasn't it? For the people. Here's something that we How many of you know this has been a very difficult year for not just Florida, but for lots of places? Because if we just focus on us, then we forget. Puerto Rico's still in water. We forget that hundreds of homes out in the West have burnt down. We forget what's going on in Mississippi and Georgia and, and, and Kentucky. See, we just focus on what's going on. There's a lot going on, and so there's a lot of prayer that needs to take place, isn't there? And we got to keep that before us because we get just stuck on our own selves. You know, and I was thinking about it, and when I sent my thought out this week, I mean, how many of you were without power? How many of you are still without power? Okay. How many of you, you treasured that, being without power? <laughs> but you know what? I got to thinking about that. It was only a minor inconvenience compared to what's gone on in other places. I mean, you still got your home. I mean, yeah, we haven't cut a, a few trees down, but hey. Home is different, isn't it? Lose everything. In fact, I saw on the news this morning uh, down in Wachula. Down in Wachula, see that wasn't wasn't clear down in the south 
West Florida, in Wachula, there was a church with water in it. And people, so there's a lot of hurt this morning. Then I thought about this. I thought about when we sing that song. Oh, my soul, don't you get shy on me. You know? And you just want to, I don't know, it's not you guys, me. I mean, I, really, I just want to jump up and worship the Lord. Amen. You know, that, that word, hallelujah, I only got a hallelujah. How many of you know that that's the universal praise to God? Right. Of all the words out there, that is the universal Praise to God. And so when you go, oh, all, all I got is a hallelujah, and God says, that's all I want. <laughs> all I want is that hallelujah that comes from you. In fact, if we forget sometimes when we get so myopic that we're just joining something that's been going on forever. 24-7. They're worshiping around the throne giving glory to God. And we get to come into that. Isn't that an amazing thing? Hallelujah. How many of you have a favorite team? Did you, how'd your favorite team do that? I lost. My favorite team won. But I, I was thinking about that in regards to oh my soul. Don't get shy of me. Because if you works, if you are cheering on your favorite team, you're not going, oh come on, let's go. In fact, when the boys come over, and I'm pretty vocal when it comes to worshiping. I mean not worshiping. Yes, I'm vocal there too. But my favorite, my favorite team. <laughs> That's the winning team. This team doesn't lose. And so when you go, don't get shy on me, how can we get shy on you? I mean, we got something to sing out, don't we? And, and praise him. Okay, so okay, that was just the beginning. We're still in John. And uh, Amy gave me a 19, 1 to uh, 16. You know, when I first looked at that, I'm very familiar with the passage, and you probably are too, and I'm thinking, oh, boy. What am I going to say out of that passage? So I read it the second time, the third time, the fourth time. Oh, I know what I'm going to say, because God gave me something to say. I say, I'm not really that smart that I can figure all this stuff out. And so... In John 19, 1 to 3, it says this. Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead tip whip. Again, if you've never seen the passion of Christ, you need to see it and never forget that image of him being flogged. Yeah. Never. And the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put a robe, purple robe on him, 
And they said, Hail, King of the Jews. They mocked as they slapped him across the face. The first takeaway that I got from those three verses is this. Darkness mocks the truth. Darkness mocks the truth. Then I thought of, of this passage in, in Luke 4, 1 and 12. It says this. I, and I guess it's up there. No? It will be. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God. Does that sound like a mock to you? Yeah. If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. Could Jesus have done that? Yes. Oh, absolutely. He's God. But Jesus told him, No. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. It says, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to whom I please. I will give it all to you if you Worship me. And Jesus replies, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Amen. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. <coughs> now look what he does here. This is mocking. For the scriptures say. See, when Jesus replies the first two times, what's he say? The scriptures say. Now the devil says. The scriptures say. He's talking to the one who gave scripture. The scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Amen. Darkness mocks the truth. Have you ever had darkness mock your truth? Say things like this. Do you really trust God's word? Do you really believe that God can do the impossible? Are you really a Christian? I mean, look at you. You're a mess. Anybody in here, you're a mess? Besides me? Yeah, we're all a mess. And that we stand on God's word, don't we? That's what makes communion so significant. It's not just, like Andy said, it's not just taking a wafer. It's not just drinking some grape juice. 
It's remembering him and who he's made us. And so darkness mocks the truth. The passage goes on and says, Pilate went outside again, and he said to the people, I'm going to bring him out to you, but understand clearly, I find him not guilty. And if you went back up into uh, the previous chapter, it, it says in verse 38, it says, he is not guilty of any crime. He's not guilty of any crime. I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns <coughs> and the purple robe, and, the pilot, and Pilate said, look, here is the man. And when they saw him, the leading priest and temple guards began shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! Take him yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. The Jewish leaders replied, By our law, he ought to, ought to die because he called himself the son of And when Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me? Pilate demanded, don't you realize that I have power to release you or to crucify you? And then I'm going to jump down to verse 12, and it's not going to show up there yet because that's part of my other one I've added on later. <laughs> then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews shouted, the Jews, the Jewish leaders shouted, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. You know what darkness does? It leads to compromised convictions. I mean, how many times does he say here, I don't find him guilty? You know what the trump card was, though, for the Jews? The trump card was this. There's only one king, and Caesar is that king. And we'll touch on that a little later. And then I thought about Genesis 3, 1 to 6. It says this, The serpent was the shrewdest of all wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Because the conviction that they had was what? You can't eat. Prohibition against that. And you know who knew that, don't you? The serpent knew it. Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Did God say that? <coughs> He said part of it, didn't he? 
But he didn't say anything about touching the tree. He just said, don't eat that fruit. And so, okay, he, he fudges the truth a little bit there. And the serpent says, you won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you know what? God did know that. God was protecting them from that. Because only God can deal with sin appropriately. Mm. We can't. That's good. And the enemy knew it. And you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. You know, I was thinking about that. Now, I don't know where you are on the theological framework or graph, but I was thinking about total depravity. But I was thinking about it in this sense. How many are grateful that people from 26 different states came down here to get our power back on? From as far away as Wisconsin. You know where Wisconsin is? It's way up there. There's a famous team that's from Wisconsin. You know, the Cheeseheads. But they came down here. How many of you know because of the Imago Day, there is goodness in man? There is. And we have to understand that. It's tainted, but there's goodness there. That's what brings these people down here. That's what takes people from Florida when there's other things that happen in other places. And it says this. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and he want, she wanted the wisdom it could give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it and then she gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. You know, and some people want to key on it, the woman there. <laughs> but you can't. Because when God gave the command, who did he give it to? Man. He gave it to the man. <laughs> so don't get down on the woman. <coughs> Because Adam should have known not to eat that fruit, shouldn't he? Mm -hmm. But what, did it, what were the first words that came out of his mouth? Oh, that woman you gave me. <laughs> you know the one you took out of my side? Yeah, darkness always causes compromise. How many of you know about that? Has the enemy ever attempted to cause you to compromise your convictions? Has his lies ever seemed to make sense and cause you to rationalize things? I just saw a post. I'm amazed, honestly. 
the people have to post the stuff they have to post. <laughs> You're like, really? You needed to post that? Just keep it between yourself. <laughs> between yourself. But, this, but the person posted something, and what they did was they rationalized something I believe they know is wrong. But they came to the point to rationalize that, well, no, it's not wrong, it's just freedom. professor a long time ago, because I'm older now, so it was a long time ago. He said this, if you ever have a doubt, give the benefit of the doubt to the Lord. That's a good one to operate in. If you ever have a doubt, instead of rationalizing, just give the doubt to the Lord. And so Pilate had some convictions, but they were compromised. Now my third takeaway, I'm going to save to last. Oh. <laughs> and they're going to jump ahead to the fourth takeaway. I already cleared it with them. They said they could do that. <laughs> Alright. So I'm going to skip verse 11 and I'm going to jump down to 12. It says this, Then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leaders shouted, because I already read this, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. Now, how many of you know this? They didn't really like Caesar. <laughs> they did not like what was going on with the Roman government. So when they make this statement, that's a compromise. A big time compromise. And when they said this, Pilate brought Jesus to them again, and then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat on the platform that was called the Stone of Pavement, in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was now noon on the day of preparation for the Passover, and Pilate said to the people, Look, here is your king. And here's their response. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him. Crucify him. What? Crucify your king. We have no king but Caesar. The leading priest shouted back. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. The fourth takeaway, or the third one, which I'm going to read here, is darkness reaps consequences. Darkness always reaps consequences. In Luke 23, 28-30, as Jesus was there, it says this, But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, Fortunate indeed are women who are childless. The wombs that have not borne a child and the breasts that have not been nursed. People will beg the mountains. Fall on us and plead with the hills, bury us. Darkness reaps consequences. Adam and Eve's disobedience led to what? 
sin for all mankind. Sin for all mankind. The priest's decision to crucify him, crucify him, led to what? The destruction of the temple and chaos in Jerusalem. What consequences could you have avoided in your life if you wouldn't have committed shaping that truth, rationalizing truth. Now, thank God for his mercy and grace. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that his mercy is new every morning and throughout the day because I need it. Because I'm just a major screw-up. <laughs> and I look out and I see other major screw-ups. <laughs> you know? That's, we mess up. And we're in need of his mercy constantly. Now I want to go back to verse 11. Then Jesus said, You would have no power over me unless it was given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has greater sin. The third takeaway is darkness doesn't win. See, I, I didn't want to end up on that one the last one, that darkness <laughs> reaps consequences, I'm like, well, that's a downer to leave here on. <laughs> no. That's why I want to skip back to verse 11. I, and I didn't even think about it until this morning. Oh, man, that's a Debbie Downer to end up on that one. <laughs> Let's end up on this one. Darkness doesn't win. How many of you want to leave like that? Then, yes, sir! Darkness doesn't win. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so here's the scripture that, that I thought about. Revelation 1, 12 to 18. When I turned, I saw the one who was speaking to me. I saw seven gold lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash around his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, with snow, as white as the snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were polished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like many ocean waves. And he held seven stars in his right hand and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if dead. I wonder if that's what's going to happen when we see him face to face. 
But he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and last. Yes, sir. I am the living one. I died. But look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the key, the keys of death and the grave. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. Do, you, do you see how that fit in with one of the songs that we sang? He turns what? Graves into gardens. Graves into gardens. He turns bones into armies. You see, there's a part of that one song that said we can just sing the songs. I hope that you never get content to just sing the words of those songs. But there's something stirring. I told Josh this morning, Josh, let's just keep worshiping until the fire breaks out. Because isn't that what you came to do this morning? Didn't you come to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and tell him how great he is, how majestic he is? And aren't you grateful that in the midst of all the junk that's going on, he rules and reigns? He is sovereign. Is there any re is there any wonder that they worship up in heaven? And that we get to join in with that. You know? I'm gonna tell on Andy. <laughs> that last song we did, that's his song. You know, I don't really got that. I can't sing. I can't write music. I wish I could play a guitar, but I can't. We'll teach you. <laughs> we'll teach you. Well, I guess that's possible. I remember when Scott and we were over in Turkey, and he's playing these songs. I said, Scott, that's not how that song goes. <laughs> I don't know all that thing, but I, I can carry a tune sometimes. And that's not the tune. You're really kind of butchering that song. But he's up there playing that electric guitar. That's why, it's, to me, it's awesome. When I look at him up there on that stage playing electric guitar, I say, God, that is your grace. Honestly, it's his grace. And so Andy crawls me up and said, hey, Dad, listen to this song. Okay. And you listen to it and you're drawn into it and what do you do? Then you're worshiping the God who's holy. And you want to magnify his name. See, that's why we couldn't end on, on the fourth takeaway, for heaven's sakes. We had to end up on that third one that darkness never wins. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad yes. that we know the end of the story? Yes. Amen. I want you to stand. I just want you to close your eyes.